says this. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was a darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani. Translation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. I'm going to behave. I'm going to stay on track, but I do got to pull this out really quickly. In the Bible, wine represents love. The wine that they gave Jesus, which was mixed with vinegar, represents adulterated love or abuse and trauma. You got to understand, Jesus didn't just die on the cross for your sin. He said, I'm going to take everything that can torment you up on this cross and I'm going to break the curse off of anything that you've experienced so you can have eternal life and you can have a fulfilling life here on earth. The rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Just FYI, they didn't kill Jesus. He laid his life down. They could have killed him if they tried. He said, I'm dying because I choose to. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And here's the whole message. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Pray for me because I got no home training. I'm just thinking thriller right now. It's just, I mean, the zombies. Okay, stop, stop. Calm down. Calm down. Act like you in church. Come on now. <laughs> and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. I have a message for you today entitled, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Father God, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We celebrate the fact that you're risen. You're not in the grave. You're not in the tomb. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. God, you've gathered us today to speak to us, to, to transform us, to take us one step closer to the plan, the purpose, the destiny that God do what only you can do. And we'll be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen and amen. I, uh, I recognize that we are in the year 2023. And in 2023, people think and see life a little bit differently than they did in 2013 or 2003 or, God help us, 1993. We're, we're, we're a little bit more open-minded. We're a little bit more enlightened. We're a little bit more woke. We, we, 
We just see things differently than we did. We, we get a little offended when we talk about this is what men are supposed to do and this is what women are supposed to do. Like, no, I, I don't believe in gender role. I can do whatever I want to do. And, all, and I'm having way too much fun. Where is he going with this? I'm a little old school in certain things and I'm crazy enough to believe that there are still certain things that that is a man's role. Somebody said taking out the trash that I believe in gender neutrality with taking out the trash. Y'all y'all take the trash out too. Don't play me. God help me. There are certain things that are men's role. There are certain things that are at least in my house. There's things that are my responsibility and not my wife's responsibility. Now, now you may not lead your house the way I lead my house, and you're wrong, but that's okay. God still loves. I think one of the things that is unequivocally a man's role in the home is to be the protector of that home. If somebody were to break in, if there's a broken glass, if there's alarm, if you would send your wife to check out what is going on. I'm not saying you're not a man. I'm just saying drop your man card at the door on your way out. It has been revoked. I just just think it's the man to be the protector of the home. I I was kind of raised that way. You don't go to bed until you check all the doors, you check the windows, you, you make sure the peace that surpasses all understanding is in your nightstand and loaded and ready to go. Sorry, y'all. I'm from Baltimore, okay? I, I'm saved, but we... Anyway, it's just kind of how I roll. If anything were to happen in my home, glass would break, whatever it may be. I'm, babe, go in the closet. I got this. I got the kids. I, I'm grabbing my piece. I'm ready to go. She, she would say, babe, you forgot your glasses. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Listen, these are not for fashion. I am legally blind, okay? I, I just... I, I don't got these on. Trust me, you're safe. <laughs> it's my job to be the protector of my home. I do need my wife's help for a little bit of portion of the protecting thing, though. I just need her to wake me up. <laughs> There's a threat. Just shoot me an elbow, push me, wake. As soon as I got, as soon as you wake me up, the only problem is I'm liable to sleep through anything. I'm, I'm just, I'm just a deep sleeper. I love sleep. I, I took naps as a kid. I take naps as a grown man. I just, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm the type of guy that when I get on a plane, I'm asleep before it takes off. I'm buckled up. My backpacks under, don't wake me up. I'll wake up when I get there. I'm just, I'm just sleep. It, so, by the way, if you're a deep sleeper and you're a man, it really stinks when you have a newborn in the house. Because you liable to lose. We had three kids, and every last one, I remember our first one, Zoe, about four weeks in, I had the best night of sleep in my life. New dads, you're not supposed to have a good night of sleep. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. I woke up the next morning, I mean, rested, rejuvenated, ready to take on the day. And I looked at my wife, you know, they said, women, they need affirming and encouraging. I said, babe, there has never been a mother like you. You're an amazing, four weeks in and you have our daughter sleeping through the night. Babe, you're amazing. 
The only reason I'm still alive is because she has Jesus in her life. But if looks could, she looked at me and she said, Zoe woke up six times, six times last night. I said, but I didn't hear anything. She said, I don't know because I pushed you. I shoved you. I punched you. I said, wake up. You spoke back to me. <laughs> to this day, I still have no recollection. I'm just, I'm a deep sleeper. I, all throughout college, I slept. <laughs> Got some of my best sleep. Actually, Game Theory 401, Econ. You, you Listen, you ain't never slept till you've been in an Econ class. You, for, I'd show up 10 minutes late, sit on the front row. Two minutes... <laughs> And I still got a B. Say something. It's not good. I'm going to preach to y'all because my dad's sitting right behind me and I shouldn't be saying this, but I grew up in my dad's church. <sighs> y'all, I got some of the best sleep in church. I, don't sleep during this message, but I'll tell you, growing bro, there's something about the hymns, the song. This, it's like a lullaby. It's just, it was the peace of God. I was basking in his... You know, as I was preparing for this message and I was reading through scripture, I began to notice that Jesus talked a lot about sleep. This person is asleep. That person is asleep. Let's go wake this person up. But, but as I was reading Jesus talking about sleep, I, I discovered Jesus's definition of sleep wasn't our definition of sleep. In John chapter 11, verse 11, there's a story about Jesus's friend, Lazarus, who was sick. And Jesus sent people to Jesus saying, hey, Lazarus is sick. We know that you can heal the sick. Come and heal Lazarus. Here's what it said in verse 11. And these things he said. And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus. What's that word? He sleep. But I go that I may wake him up. Hey, Lazarus is asleep. We're going to wake him up. No big deal. Look what the disciples said. By the way, it's amazing what Jesus could do with 11 of the not-so-brightest people on planet Earth. These jokers are like, well, Lord, if he sleeps, won't he get well? In other words, Jesus, if Lazarus is sick and he's sleeping, we should probably let him sleep so he can heal up. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus brought it down to their level. Lazarus did. They were probably looking at Jesus like, why didn't you just say that? I did. He's asleep. No, Jesus. He did. For some reason, Jesus used sleep in death. Synonymously. For some reason, what we call dead, Jesus says it's just asleep. Give me this three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts. First thought is this sleep or death can be a spiritual state. 
Sleep can be a spiritual state. What, what we call Good Friday, uh, which was not a good Friday for Jesus, often to also be the Passover. And Jesus sat around the table and had Passover meal with his 12 disciples. And it was at this meal that he stopped talking in hyperbole and stopped talking in, in analogies and said it plain. I am going to the cross and I'm about to die. And this man, Judas, is the one that's going to sell me out. Could you imagine? Listen, basketball-wise, ain't got nothing (laughs) on that last supper. That joint was awkward. You're going to sell me out. Judas said, I will, and walks right out the room. And after that meal, they went to a garden. Now, please don't laugh, but the Bible says it was Olive Garden that they went to. Yes, they did have endless breadsticks. Anyway, he goes to this garden and he says, hey guys, I'm getting ready to die tonight. Can you stay awake and pray with me before my execution? Jesus goes off and prays for a moment. And when he comes back, y'all, the disciples are asleep. This is how you got to thank God that Stephen Chandler ain't Jesus. Because I'd have killed all the lot of them. I'm, listen, I'm getting ready to go across for your nasty sins. The least thing you can do is stick. Wake up. He goes off a second time and comes back in there. Uh, three times he prayed. Three times they slept. By the way, the prayer that he prayed is possibly the most powerful prayer ever recorded in Scripture, Columbia. Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup. Pass from me. Yet nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. By the way, can I clear something up theologically? Jesus did not want to die on the cross for your sins. A lot of us, we got this erroneous mindset that Jesus like, ooh, execution on a cross. Let's do it. Nah, bruh. I can only imagine. Jesus like, hey, dad, when you said the lamb that was slain, I thought that was figuratively. I'm the lamb. I don't want to die for these people. But here's what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to earth for me. I came here to do my father's will. So nevertheless, thy will be done. He comes back to the disciples a third time. And you can just hear his disgust. Get up. My accuser is here. Look what it said in Luke twenty two forty five. 45. It says, when he arose up from prayer, he had come to his disciples and he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. When I first read this, I thought, I thought the disciples were asleep because they were losers. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought they had stayed up last night watching too much Netflix or whatever it may be. The Bible says they weren't asleep because they were tired. They were asleep because they were overcome with disappointment. They had thought that Jesus was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And a king doesn't die a criminal's death. And the fact that what they had gotten their hopes up for apparently was going to fail them. It was too much emotionally for them to handle. And they fell. I've discovered that disappointment in life can put you to sleep. Maybe not asleep uh, physically, 
but it can put you to sleep spiritually. It can just put you in a position where your response to life is whatever. Doesn't matter. I don't care anymore. I, I knew it was Easter, and I, I had to sound educated for Easter, so I, I prepped for this message, y'all. I put my work in. I, I actually did research on the different forms of sleep. Do you know when you go to sleep, you're not just sleep? There's actually four stages of sleep. There's stage one, stage two, stage three, and then what they call REM, or N1, N2, N3, and N4. The first stage of sleep is when you're kind of dozing off. You're in between wake and sleep, and you're kind of just getting... That's usually when wives want to share critical information. (laughs) I don't know why you people do... You seem... What's the meaning of life? Really? And then they have the nerve to ask you, and what do you think? I don't know, babe. Whatever you think is right. Stage one's dangerous, y'all. I'm just telling y'all. Stage two is when your body physically begins to prepare for deep sleep. Your your organs slow. Your, Your brain waves slow. The temperature of your body actually begins to drop in stage two. Stage three is the beginning of deep sleep. It's when your body begins to, 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 to generate chemicals that, that rejuvenate you, that, that, that wakes up your that prepares you for the next day. And then stage four is what they call REM sleep. It stands for rapid eye movement. And what's interesting about REM sleep is it's the deepest stage of sleep, but it's also when your body is the most active. It's called rapid eye motion because even though your eyes are closed, behind your eyelids, your eyes are moving all over the place. This is the stage where everything you learned during the day is stored into your memory. You think you learn when you study it or you read it. It's actually in the moment of sleep. It's kind of like your software is updating as you go to sleep. And when you wake up, it is now a part of your memory. This is a stage where you have your most vivid dreams. I don't know if you dream. I I, I dream not often, but when I do, I'm always falling. I don't know what it is, and I never have a parachute. For all you prophets, please don't DM me an interpretation. I don't need one. (laughs) Well, I heard you say, Pastor, and I just, the Lord is saying, you're falling into your next blessing. No, leave me alone. (laughs) By the way, you can't tell me my God's not amazing. He thought of everything. Do you know that in REM, when you have your deepest sleep and your most vivid dreams, your your muscles actually enter into a state of paralysis? Because God says, I don't know what dream you're about to have, but I'm going to make sure you don't act out on that dream. So you can think it, but you ain't going to get out your bed and jump out of nothing. You just stay right there. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual There aren't just four stages of sleep in the natural, but there's four stages, flowers, of being spiritually asleep. Stage one is when I'm dozing in and out of my relationship with God. It's not that I don't believe in God. I'm not like an atheist or anything like that. It's not that I don't believe Jesus is real. Here's what it really is. When it comes to my relationship with God, it's just boring. 
It's just blah, like, you know, I'm going to die. Hopefully I get into heaven, and it is what it is, but there's other things I'm focused on. I, I got to secure the bag. This is going to be the last Easter. I'm coming to church by myself. I'm going to snatch me somebody's daughter, somebody's son. I'm just done with <laughs> We've just got other things we're focused on, and if we were to be frank, Jesus ain't the primary focus of our lives. That's stage one. Stage two in the natural is when your body temperature begins to adjust to the environment around you. In the spiritual, stage two is when you become numb to the things of God. I'm a Christian now. Somebody say amen. But I wasn't always. And you know, it's really difficult being a heathen and a pastor's kid because it's a really confusing life. You, you kind of live in them home. My daddy was like, listen, you going to church. I don't care if you love Jesus or not. If you're going to eat in my house, you going to church. So I went to church, but I was one of them shady Christians. Some of y'all like that, but y'all don't want to admit that you're like that. I used to get in church. I used to just talk about people. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. You ever been in church and you just saw somebody to the lefty and they're just like weeping, crying? And you just like, it don't take all that. You're at, come on, tell the truth. You ever seen one of them Christian aerobics where they just like, I, pr I praise you. I, I. Yo, Planet Fitness is $10 a month. There is a better way to burn calories. Calm down. I would just look at people, be like, you're extra. God is good, but he ain't that good. Calm down. You know what the problem was? I was numb. I had no ability to sense, feel, or experience the goodness of God at all. And what I thought they were extra about actually was me missing out on the goodness of God. Stage three, stage three in the natural is when your body begins to fall into a deep sleep and, and it begins to heal itself and regenerate itself. In the spiritual, stage three is where you say, you know what? I don't know what God's up to. I don't know where he's at. I'm not even thinking about him. I'm going to do things on my own. I'm going to do whatever feels good. I'm going to do whatever looks good. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I've got this. Stage four, Rem, in the natural is when your muscles are paralyzed, but your brain is active. And the spiritual, it's one of the scariest places you could ever be. That's when life goes to a place that you begin to do things you swore you would never do. That's when you begin to look at your actions and say, that's not me. How, how did I get here? I feel like I'm no longer controlling things. It's possible not just to be asleep naturally, but to be asleep, dead, spiritually. There's this movie that I think is probably the worst movie on planet Earth. It's called Inception. I've watched it seven times. Okay, let me clarify. I've started it seven times. But this movie is like nine hours long and is a snooze fest. Every time, and some of y'all are like, well, you didn't watch it, right? You didn't figure out that the dream was within the dream and then the dream connected with the dream and it ended with the dream. It worked. Because every time I watch that movie, I'm dreaming. 
I'll get through like the first 25 minutes and I, I, I'll drink coffee. I'll take a mile run, but it does not matter. When that movie comes, I'm asleep. I wake up five hours later, the movie's still going on. And what's so annoying is I'll fall asleep, I'll miss five hours, I'll wake up, and then I'm the guy that's like, what happened? What did they do? How did, and I'm trying to figure out the plot, but I missed so much of it, it's impossible to understand. Here's the problem with being spiritually asleep. We have no idea how much of the plot of our life that we're missing out on, not even realizing God is saying, I had open doors and blessings and favor and purpose and relationships and impact, and you have no idea what you're missing while you're sleeping on me. Second thought is this, sleep can be an endless cycle. There's not just stages of sleep, but sleep is a cycle. And, and, and here's the thing. Sleep is not just a spiritual state, but it's also a state of our hope. Some of us are sleeping on Jesus. Some of us believe in Jesus, but our faith is asleep. That's where Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, found themselves. They sent messenger after messenger after messenger. Jesus, our brother is sick. Can you come and heal him? Jesus, our brother is now dead. Can you come and raise him? Jesus, do you even care? This isn't the message, but hear me. Just because he doesn't show up when you think he should have doesn't mean that he hasn't forgotten, that he's forgotten about you. And if it's not working out in your timing, just understand he's got something bigger than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. But when Jesus didn't show up for Mary and Martha on time, they put their faith to bed. And I realize different people live out life differently based on their personality. Martha was angry and disappointed with God, but she was still polite. So when Jesus finally showed up to the grave star, Martha said, I'm mad at God, but I'll still go to church. And here, yeah, yeah. not this service, because y'all love Jesus. It's the next service. But <laughs> You ever been in a position where you were raised a Christian, but you're disappointed with God? This never happened to you. You've never buried a loved one prematurely or whatever. But, but for those of us who've actually lived life, you ever been in a spot where you say, you know, they say God is good all the time, but I'm not quite sure about that. Because in this area, it wasn't that good. And you kind of, you're just trapped because you, you were raised to be polite in church, but then there's real life. And Martha shows up to the gravesite and she forgot the church Martha at home. And she gets there, my brother wouldn't be dead if you had got here on time. And then she caught herself. She's like, oh, this is Jesus. Oh, but he'll raise again in eternity. I'll see him in heaven. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha said, I know. You'll raise him in heaven. I'm here. But my hope is gone. Mary, Mary was the gangster. Mary said, I ain't faking for no one. I'm mad and I ain't coming. Jesus gets it. Where are Mary? She home. 
she coming? No, I don't think so. I don't. What's wrong with Mary? You failed her. She gave up hope. There's not just four stages of sleep when it comes to our relationship with God. There's four stages of sleep when it comes to our faith. Some of us, our faith is dozing off. I still show up to church. It's not that I hate God. It's not even that I don't believe in God. I'm just not expecting anything great from God in my life. I'm not trying to trash testimony service, but I've heard some pretty miserable testimonies. <laughs> One of them, and don't, don't be mad at me. I told you I got no home training. But <laughs> you ever heard people say, I want to thank the Lord today for, for waking me up this morning, for, for placing my feet on solid ground, for, for covering me on the highways and on the byway. What's a byway? <laughs> Yo, we be saying stuff in church like vestibule. You mean the front door? Like, what do y'all... Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> just extra. Hear me. It's great that God wakes you up. Somebody say amen. amen. It's great that he gets you back home safe. Somebody say amen. amen. But he's the creator of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And all you're expecting is a wake up call. Your Apple phone can do that. And without even realizing that our faith is... Dozing. Some of us were in stage two. Our faith is numb. We said, I'm not getting my hopes up again because I've been disappointed too many times. Some of us were in stage three. Our faith is in deep sleep. Deep sleep is what you do and what, what Abraham did. <laughs> Abraham said, I, God lied. I ain't never going to have a kid with my wife, so I'm going to get me a mistress. <laughs> By the way, read the Bible. It's better than TMZ. I'm just telling you, there's some drama. That's when you begin to take matters into your own hands. I know God said he'll do it, but he's taking too long, so I'll do it for mine. So, Stage four of your faith is when you get to a place, once again, when you see yourself doing things that you swore you would never do. Here's the thing. I told you I studied. I feel educated. I know more about sleep than I've ever wanted to know about sleep. And hey, you, you don't start stage one when you go to bed and end at stage four when you wake up. Actually, as an adult, most adults cycle through all four stages of sleep four to six times every single day. So when you go to bed, you bathe five minutes in that dozing stage, and then you go another 10, 15 minutes in stage two, and then you may have 30 minutes in deep sleep and 40 minutes in REM, and then you circle back to this dozing stage. That's why like 3 a.m., if you startle yourself away, how did I wake up? It's because you were probably in the lightest stage of sleep, and you go through that cycle four to six times a day. I've discovered that faith cycles at well. There's just seasons where our faith is on that place where I, I want to believe this is 2023, y'all. This is my year. God's going to do something great in my, and we start looking for like biblical prophets. 2023, it ends in a three, threes for the Trinity. This is the year that the Trinity is going to be for me. I'm telling no, that don't work. It's 23. Okay. No, no, no. This is my Jordan River year. I'm telling you, God, we, our, our, our hope is, it's, just there. Now, Now I'm not going to tell anybody else that I'm believing God for a child. Because we've tried for so many years and I don't know if I could deal with the questions and the disappointments. We get our hope up just a little bit and then it doesn't happen. 
And then we become numb. Then we say, all right, I'll just do it in my own strength. If family's not the goal, I'm just going to build the greatest career I can. And then it falls into a place where we find ourselves doing things we never, and then back to getting just a little bit of hope, and then numb, and then taking matters into our own hands, and then disappointing ourselves. And this cycle goes on and on and on because our faith is asleep. Last thing is this, write this down, write this down. But the awakening The awakening is here. Union Church, the awakening is here. Hear me, this ain't just some cute message that I put together and thought, ooh, people are going to say amen, it is. Now, I've been praying over this for months, and that's not even an exaggeration. And when I started to say, God, what do you want me to preach on Easter weekend? He says, Stephen, tell my church that I'm getting ready to wake some situations. Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 says this. It says that as Jesus yielded up his spirit, as he gave up his life, it says that the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection. Yo, miss, when Jesus died, tombstones cracked open. Graveyards just, but nobody came out. They were open graves with dead people still in it. And on the third day after Jesus walked out of his grave, that's where they got the idea for Thriller. Next thing you know, people are just walking out of all these. Says they went into the holy city and appeared to me. Y'all, as I was prepping for this message and I read this passage, Something just jumped out at me that had never hit me before. Easter's all about Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. At that time, everybody knew who this prophet was who claimed to be the king of the world, the son of all eyes were on you. When he got arrested, everybody knew. At the trial, the whole city was there. When they had him drag his cross all the way to Golgotha, people were watching, jeering, spitting, and in shock and in disbelief. When they hung him on that cross and and he spoke to the criminal on his right, on his left, when when they stuck him in the side with the spear and blood and water spewed out, when the thunder and the left, they were all focused on Jesus. And nobody realized that over on the other side of the graveyard, that some graves cracked open. And when those women came to the tomb and, and they saw the angel, but they didn't see Jesus, and they saw the clothes folded, and they were like, where Jesus? They didn't realize they were not in that graveyard by themselves. There were believers that had been dead, some for years, that were walking home. And the thought crossed my mind, what would it have been like to be one of those families that had buried a loved one in that graveyard? I don't know if you've ever lost a loved one. I lost my mom in 2013. And if you've ever lost a loved one, you know it's like getting punched in the stomach. You lose your breath. 
And I can just imagine these families going through the trauma of, of a loved one that's sick, praying for God to heal them, and then dealing with the disappointment that they were not healed on this side of eternity. I can imagine the funeral plans and the family members coming in from out of town and all the drama that that brings. And laying that person's body in that ground putting that memorial over them, going home, dealing with the sorrow, and finally making peace with the reality that a part of my heart will be missing forever. Then one day on this Resurrection Sunday where everybody's screaming and shouting about them stealing the body of Jesus, this family hears a knock on the door. Maybe they're ignorant like me. You knock on my door, I ain't coming to the door. Who is it? What you want? DoorDash? You can leave it there. And they hear a voice that they recognize, but they can't because they buried that voice. And that voice says, it's, it's that dream that you buried three months ago. I'm back. I wasn't actually dead. I was just... It's that promise that you've given up on because it didn't happen when you thought it was going to happen. I wasn't actually dead. I was just... Could you imagine if you were the person who was dead? What is it like being dead? I don't know. You dead? You don't know who Jesus is. You don't know any of the miracles that he did. You missed it. You were dead. The next thing you know, you wake up covered in these tomb clothes. And your grave is cracked open and you're, what, what's, what's, what, I, I, I gotta, I gotta go see my family. And you, you knock on the door and they're in disbelief. They, they, they said, how did this happen? And I don't know. All I know is once I was dead. And here's what happened. You buried me where resurrections take place. And I now know that it doesn't matter how dead the situation is. As long as Jesus is involved, it's only sleeping and he's able to bring it back to life. Union Church, God sent me today to let you know that you've buried some things. You've given up on some things. You've called some marriages dead. And God says, no, it's just asleep. You've looked at a business and you said that's dead. And God says, but I'm able to wake it up. The resurrection is not just Jesus coming out of a grave. It's every promise, every hope, every dream, everything that you ever aspire to coming back to life. The awakening is Did you bury your hope? He can wake it up. Did you bury that dream that that loved one would ever come back to Jesus? He can wake it. Did you bury your faith? He can wake it up. Church is a place where we'll make you feel bad for not believing. Do you know who God is? How dare you doubt my God? Hear me. If your faith is asleep, if your faith is dead, if you've given up on God and you've given up on us, that's okay. Just make sure you bury it where resurrections take place.
and watch him breathe life back into a situation that you've already given up on. So I got a simple question for you as we close. Where's your faith? Where's your relationship with God? Is it numb? Is it in deep sleep? Have you gone to a place where you don't even recognize who you are anymore? Will you let Jesus wake you up today? As we close, I'm asking that you would grab that card, that survey. We're going to finish this out. We're going to fill it out. And then that's Easter, y'all. We're going to go out there and try to corral our kids for one little picture. Tried yesterday. I got three kids. I got one frowning or crying in every picture. Easter was a bust for us. So hope you got better luck than we did. If you don't have a card, you can lift your hands. A host will grab it for you. And, and what I want to do is I want you to answer question three on this survey. And question three is simply, where are you spiritually? It's only four boxes, A, B, C, or D. Whichever one applies to you, just put an X, put a check mark there. It says, Pastor, this is where I am. Not to preach longer, but after Adam got himself in a little bit of trouble, God came down in the garden. He said, Adam, where are you? God didn't ask Adam where he was because God didn't know. He asked Adam where he was because Adam didn't know. And a lot of times we can go through the motions of life and never drop a pin on, where am I? What am I doing? So today I'm asking you to drop that pin. A, A says this. A says, Pastor, I have a vibrant, passionate, a real relationship with Jesus. I'm not just churched. I don't just know when it's, I, I have a relationship with you. If that's you, indicate A. B is, I need to start a real relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you're like me, you grew up in church and you learned church before you met Jesus. Maybe you found yourself in a place of life that because you were ashamed of some of the decisions that you've made, you think God is ashamed of you as well. Not realizing he said, I couldn't be more proud of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I shed my blood so that you can be washed and be a part of my family. If you say, Pastor, I need a real relationship with Jesus, indicate B. C says, I need some more time. I don't know where I am. I'm trying to figure this thing out. I don't hate God. I'm not against God. I, I, just, I just don't know if I'm ready to go all in. If that's you, I'm going to ask that you would do two things. One, indicate C in your card. Two, come back next week. Hear me. I don't know what your church experience has been like. I don't know if you've been to a church that said, oh, I can't believe you doubt you do this. You Listen, Union Church is a place where you don't have to believe what we believe to belong. As you go on this journey of seeing who Jesus is for you, I'm asking, let's go on this journey together. We're starting a brand new series next week. Take your time in figuring out Jesus, but let's, let's do it together. The last one, D. D's a little gangster, y'all. I ain't gonna hold you. D says, I never intend on giving my life to Jesus. That's a bold statement. But if that's where you are, 
indicate D. And I tell you that every single year we'll have two people, three people, or whatever it may be, indicate D on that card. And I tell our team, hey, I need every card that indicated D. I actually have all the cards from last year in my office. I said, I want the card that indicate D. If you indicate D on a card, here's my commitment to you. That I'm going to spend the next 12 months praying for you. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. You can't stop me. But every single year, somebody indicates B on a card, and they'll write a little note, and they'll say, Pastor, last year, I was D. And this year, I'm giving my life to Jesus. If you could do me a favor, just indicate where you fall. And as soon as you're done, if you could just bow your head just to let me know you're done, we'll pray over you, and that'll be Easter. If you're one of those people that indicated B, saying, Pastor, I'm ready. I want a real relationship with Jesus. I just don't know what that looks like. But it looks like you just simply saying, Jesus, I'm ready. He took care of all the heavy lifting on the cross. He already died. So every sin, every mistake you've committed can be erased. He's just waiting for you to respond. So at every location, watching online, wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, I'm ready to respond. Right where you're sitting, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. I'm ready to wake up. Thank you for thinking about me, for loving me, for dying on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Right now, I give you my life. I surrender. Take all of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person that just made...